Today on From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve, we're going to learn why we should always put first things first. In the Old Testament book of Joshua, we read that the Lord allowed His children, Israel, to cross over into the Holy Land by performing a miracle that allowed them to cross the flooded waters of the Jordan River. After doing this, they were ready for battle against the enemy. But it was then that God commanded their leader Joshua to do a very strange thing, to circumcise all the sons of Israel. Why, you may ask? And that would be a very good question. Today on From His Heart, we will learn why and how it practically relates to our ability to rise to the challenge today by putting God's desires for our lives first and foremost and know that He is there for us in the storms that come. And today we're going to share how God calls you and me to be set apart, to celebrate His deliverance, and to wholeheartedly surrender to Him. Are you ready and willing to obey the Lord? The lesson today is part two of the message called First Things First. It's from the 10-message series, Rising to the Challenge, a study of the book of Joshua. A timely and practical series for these difficult times in which we live. The series is our gift of thanks to you this month for your support. And you can find out more at fromhisheart.org. But first things first, open your Bible to Joshua chapter 5 as Pastor Jeff explains what should be first in every life. Now it came about when all the kings of the Amorites, the Amorites were in Jericho and other places around there, but mostly uh, Amorites in Jericho, when all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed, that their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. So here they are, they've crossed the Jordan River, they're in the promised land. We wanna talk today about first things first. What does God wanna teach us between the Jordan River and Jericho? At a place called Gilgal, the place of, it's called the circle of stones or a place of rolling. What does God want to teach us? Because that's where they went. They crossed the Jordan and they came to Gilgal and they were there preparing to go to Jericho. Here's what the Lord is going to teach us today. Consecration comes before conquest and worship comes before warfare. And God's ways are not our ways because no general ever would circumcise his army right before the fight. But that's what God did. And so the Lord has things that he wants to teach us today. And I want you to notice with me three discoveries. What does God want from his people? Discovery number one, God wants his people to be set apart to him his people to be set apart to him. Hey, if you want to walk in victory, if you want to experience the the victory of Jericho, so to speak, well, the first thing you got to do is consecrate yourself. 
set yourself apart. God wants you set apart as a people who are holy to himself. As he told uh, Moses, this people is going to be my possession, my special treasure. And the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, those who call on the name of the Lord for salvation, we are God's holy people. And God says, I want you to be separate to me. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. So God wants that from us. And the very first thing that God had them do in Gilgal was to be circumcised. And so Joshua did so. Now, what, what does that have to do with us today? Spiritual circumcision in today's world, on this side of the cross, it happens when you trust Christ as Savior and Lord. It says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, in him, in Jesus, you were also circumcised. It was not a circumcision performed by human hands, but it was a removal of the corrupt nature in the circumcision performed by Christ. That takes place in the heart. That takes place in the heart where you died your old way of life and you're given a brand new life in Jesus Christ. So right off the bat, hey, what do we do now, Lord? Well, now we circumcise the men and obey the command, the sign of the covenant. Second discovery, second thing that they did and that God wants his people to do, he wants us to celebrate his great deliverance. God likes celebrations. He likes feasts. The Jews had seven feasts that they would experience and celebrate throughout the year. And the biggest of the celebrations was the feast of Passover. Passover, where they remembered what the Lord had done for them in leading them out of Egypt. See, the, the Passover came with the 10th plague. And the 10th plague was God says, I'm going to send my death angel into Egypt. He's going to kill all the firstborn. But if you will take a lamb, an unblemished lamb, a spotless lamb, and you will slay that lamb and put the blood of that lamb on the doorposts of your house and on the lintel, the top part of your door, and you can see the blood there on the top and on the sides, it makes a, a cross. And God says, you put the blood of the lamb on your door. When the death angel comes in, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's why it's called Passover. And the Jews did it. And the death angel passed over them, and there was a great outcry in Egypt because everyone's household was touched by the death of the firstborn, but there was no outcry in the land of the Jews, in, the, in Goshen, where the Jews lived. Why? Because they obeyed God, and they put the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel, just like God said. Now, Passover is huge, and God says, hey, you need to celebrate this every year on the 14th of the first month, which is the month Nisan. And it says in verse 10, while the sons of Israel camped at Gilgal, they observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month on the desert plains of Jericho. They observed Passover. You know why that's so significant? Because the first time they did it, was the inauguration of the Passover in Exodus chapter 12 when Moses did it and all the people did it. And, and that's when the death angel came through. That was the first time. You know, they did it a second time. They did it a second time at Mount Sinai and they didn't do it again. They never did it in the wilderness. They didn't circumcise their kids like they were supposed to. They didn't celebrate the Passover like they were supposed to. Listen to what the Lord says in Exodus chapter 12. And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. 
When you enter the land which the Lord will give you as he has promised, you shall observe this right. And when your children say to you, what does this right mean to you? You shall say, it is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians but spared our homes and the people bowed low and worshiped. Big deal, the Passover. But this is the only third time in their history that they're going to celebrate it. And now they celebrate it in the promised land. And you know what else it says? It says in Exodus chapter 12 that no uncircumcised man should celebrate the Passover. You can't do that. So they had to be circumcised. First things first, you had to be circumcised so you could celebrate the Passover. And the Passover is a time of rejoicing and it's a time of remembrance. You remember what the Lord has done and you celebrate what the Lord has done. Now you say, what do we do here? We don't celebrate the Passover. No, because Jesus took the Passover and he transformed it into the Lord's Supper. And that's what we celebrate. And we celebrate our deliverance when Jesus died for us on the cross. It says in the book of 1 Corinthians, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And we think on the cross as we sang that wonderful song uh, that Heather led us in we think about what he did for us when he died for us and rose again from the dead. It's important to do that as a congregation. It's important to do that as just an individual Christian, to remember how the Lord delivered you, to remember when the Lord delivered you and how the Lord delivered you and the circumstances of that. I still remember years and years ago, I heard my pastor, Damon Shook, preach a sermon and he had a sermon illustration about a, a black pastor who had a dump truck on his pulpit. He always kept a dump truck, little toy dump truck on his pulpit. Somebody said, Pastor, why do you keep a dump truck on your pulpit? He said, because I was working on a dump truck when the Lord saved me and the Lord called me and I never want to forget where I came from. Never want to forget where I came from. I had a guy tell me, this was a few years ago, a friend of mine I went to high school with, Jackie Lee, we were talking one day and he's kind of a straightforward guy. He told me, he said, Shreve, he said, you know, in high school, you were the meanest guy in school. I said, I was not. He said, yeah, you were. You were the meanest guy in school. I said, was not. He said, you were the meanest guy in school. I said, if you don't take that back, I'm going to punch you. <laughs> I said, in his perspective, not I didn't get in a lot of fights or anything, but I was sharp-tongued and, and we would cut people down in high school and lunchtime was terrible. And man, if you had a zit on your nose, uh, you just wanted to be sick that day because you were just going to get brutalized. And that's the way it was in our high school. And so I could see a little bit of where he was coming from. And I thought about what he said and I thought, God, thank you for changing me so I'm not that guy anymore. Now, sometimes I can still be a little bit like that guy, but most of the time I'm not that guy anymore. You know what happened to that guy who was the meanest guy at Cypress Creek High School? In January of 1980, on a Monday night, he died. He gave his life to Christ and Christ came into him. And my life is hidden with Christ and God. As Paul said, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. When I was in college, there was this song that we did. I'd never heard us ever do this song before, but the worship pastor was saying a day, and he started with Sunday, and he said it was on a Sunday 
Somebody touched me. It happened on a Sunday. Somebody touched me. It was on a Sunday. Somebody touched me. It must have been the hand of the Lord. That's how the song goes. And so they went from Sunday to Monday to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And they said, when we say the day that you came to know Christ, you stand up and you sing it with us. That's your day. And so for me, it was Monday and I got to stand up and people were standing up different days. You know, if you weren't sure, that was an uncomfortable song. Cause like, I, I don't, I don't know when Jesus became real. I don't know when I was saved. Did you know they knew exactly when Passover was it's the 14th of Nisan first month for them. March, April time is the month Nisan. They knew when it was they Moses and the people in Joshua, they knew when the death angel came through. Do you know when you've been saved? Was it on a Sunday? Was it on a Monday? Was it on a Friday? Do you know? Hey, you know what? If you're not sure, it can be today because the Bible says today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Behold, today is the day of salvation, salvation. And so God had them rejoice and celebrate the Passover. And then it says something very interesting about the manna. Look in verse 11. And on the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, 11 cakes and parched grain, roasted corn. That was good. And the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten some of the produce of the land so that the sons of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate some of the yield of the land of Canaan during that year. Now, don't you know, they have been eating manna for 40 years. Manna, you know what the word manna means? Manna means what is it? They didn't know what it was. It was this fine, frosty stuff, looked like kind of like frosted flakes, like melted Krispy Kreme donuts. It was just kind of on the, the ground like dew. And they would come up to it and they'd say, what is it? And they'd say, man, uh, they didn't know that's what it means. What is it, man? Uh? And so they would take it and you could, eat, you could eat it. It was like wafers filled with honey and it was sweet and it was good. But you're having that for breakfast, lunch and dinner for 40 years. Manna bagels, manna pancakes, manna cotti. I mean, you're just having manna all the time. And so when they got into the promised land, they were able to eat some of the fruit of the ground. And it was wonderful. That roasted corn was wonderful. And the manna ceased. God, they didn't need the manna anymore because they could now eat off the land. In the desert, there's nothing to eat. So God had to provide for them but now there was provision in the promised land. Hey, the manna was a reminder of God's faithfulness to them. The Passover was a reminder. It was a time of rejoicing and remembrance. And the manna was their reminder that God provided for them even in the desert. And even when the manna ceased, it was God's reminder of his faithfulness that he had promised them the land flowing with milk and honey, and now they were in it. And it all speaks to God's faithfulness. Do you know in Revelation chapter 19, when Jesus comes on the white horse, he's called faithful and true because he's faithful to his promises. It is impossible for God to lie. He's faithful and true. So God, what does he want? What's next, Lord? Well, I want you to be set apart to me. Secondly, I want you to celebrate the deliverance that I've given you. And thirdly, God wants his people to surrender to his lordship. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, 
Verse one, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Every day we just come before the Lord. We just surrender anew and afresh. Lord, I want you to be Lord over me. This is what it says happened with Joshua. Verse 13, now it, came, now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of Yahweh, of the Lord, and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, what has my Lord to say to his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. We call that a Christophany in theology. It's, it's the Lord coming before his incarnation. He's coming in a human form where people can interact with him. You know, he came to Abraham in Genesis chapter 18. He came to Samson's parents in the book of Judges. There are different times when the Bible talks about the angel of the Lord. That's the Lord himself. This is called the Lord of hosts the captain of the Lord of hosts. We have a name for that in the names of God. It's Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of angel armies. And he comes and he teaches us an important lesson about surrender. See, the Lord comes to you and to me. He doesn't come to take our side. He comes to take over. Are you for us or for our adversaries? No, I come as captain of the Lord of hosts. I'm not on your side. You need to get on my side. That is critical. Sometimes we think, well, you know, we want God on our side. Uh, Moses told the people when they had made the golden calf and they were committing all kinds of sin, he comes down off the mountain. He takes the Ten Commandments. They were on the two tablets and he throws them down. He's so frustrated, so upset, so angry. And he said, whoever is on the Lord's side, come over here. That's the big question. Who is on the Lord's side? The Lord didn't come to take your side. He invites you to come to his side. There's a great quote from Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln said this, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My great concern is to be on God's side for God is always right. Hey, are you on the Lord's side? Are you on the Lord's side? He didn't come to take your side. He came to take over and the Lord came to fight your battles. See, here, here's Joshua. Joshua's got a big problem. And here's the big problem. How do you defeat Jericho? Jericho is shut up. They have walls. They, uh, historians say it's probably a double wall. It's a double walled city. How do you fight that? I mean, Joshua has uh, a ragtag army that has some uh, swords and some shields and some spears. But what is that against big walls. You need a catapult. You need a battering ram. He didn't have any of that. So Joshua's thinking, how, how are we going to take Jericho? Well, he doesn't have to worry about taking Jericho because the Lord has come and he's captain of the host of the Lord and he's going to fight the battle. You know, when David faced off with Goliath, Goliath said to him, hey, come here, little boy. I'm going to break you up and feed you to the pigeons. 
And he cursed David by his gods. And David said to Goliath, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I'm going to cut off your head and I'm going to feed the bodies of the Philistines, the dead bodies of the Philistines to the beasts of the field and the birds of the air, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Egypt and the Lord does not deliver by sword or spear. The battle is the Lord's and he will deliver you into our hands. The battle is the Lord's. He didn't come to take your side. He came to take over. He is the one who will fight for you. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And the Lord comes and he wants us to get low in his holy presence. What does Joshua say to the Lord? What has my Lord to say to his servant? He bowed low and the Lord said, take your shoes off, Joshua, for the place on which you're standing is holy. Take your shoes off, Joshua. Why? Why my shoes? Because that's a sign of respect to take your shoes off. Because every shoe has a heel and God wants us to get low before him, not even an inch of shoe leather to raise us up. No, we're, we're low before him. Take your shoes off, Joshua. Place on which you're standing is holy. Jericho wasn't a holy place. Jericho was an awful place. That's why God was going to destroy it, wipe it off the map. But wherever the Lord is, that's a holy place. Where the Lord is, that's a holy place. You know, the Lord is here in this place. This place is dedicated to the Lord and committed to preaching the word and lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord is here where two or three are gathered together in his name. There he is in the midst and the Lord is here and we're in a holy place. What has my Lord to say to his servants? Take your shoes off for the place in which you're standing is holy. We hope the message from Pastor Jeff Shreve today on From His Heart has been heartening and inspiring insights for you. The lesson was called First Things First. Well, as we all know, in the last few years, we've all had major challenges. The coronavirus surely didn't help, but the repercussions from that for businesses, families, churches, you name it, are still felt. But perhaps, virus or not, Major and seemingly insurmountable struggles have hit your life, your finances, your health, your family, even your faith has taken a blow. If not, I'm sure you know someone who's been devastated in life. Each of us have to come to grips with the challenges we face, and we must rise above these challenges. That's why Pastor Jeff Shreve would like you to have his inspiring and encouraging 10-message series called Rising to the Challenge a study of the book of Joshua. Messages in it include how to be strong and courageous, conquering your Jericho, trouble, do you want to walk in victory, victory on steroids, faith in full, today's lesson, first things first, and three more. They're available on USB, CD, DVD, or digital download when you make a gift of any amount to the ongoing outreach of From His Heart this month. Heard now on hundreds of radio stations, thousands of TV outlets around the world, and always online. To get yours, call 866-40-BIBLE, 866-40-BIBLE, to make your gift of any amount. Again, the series is called Rising to the Challenge, a study of the book of Joshua. 
And thank you for helping us to continue to reach out to a lost and a hurting world with a word that they need to hear, which assures them that God is with them as they surrender their all to Him. God bless you for standing with us. Well, I'm Larry Nobles, and a huge thanks for joining us today on From His Heart. Be sure to join us here next time for an inspiring, practical, and powerful message from Pastor Jeff's Rising to the Challenge series. Join us on Thursday to learn about conquering your Jericho. Tomorrow on From His Heart. From His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, speaking the truth in love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember, no matter what, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more about that. Go to fromhisheart.org.